What's up, everybody? It has been a minute since we have been able to record a podcast, and we kind of hadn't had necessarily as much to talk about uh, here lately. Uh, it's, it's my it's my fault. I've been gone with nationals and then uh, some work travel and stuff, so a bit unavailable for like three weeks. I'm I'm certainly a hundred percent happy with blaming Sasquatch for for it, uh, and I'm a hundred percent happy. Uh, I believe it's Sasquatch at gmail.com. Is that the appropriate? No, it's Jared Fox at czusa.com. Yeah, right? you can email you can email Jared Fox at czusa.com. Exactly. Perfect. Uh, send him your hate mail and why you're pissed at him for not being able to listen to our angelic voices uh, the last few weeks because we haven't had any podcast drop. Uh, but no, we are sorry that we haven't been able to uh, get one recorded. It's just just got busy. Uh, just all there was to be to clear, I have wanted to record a few times and been super gung ho. And nobody was available to record. You know, like I, I feel like Jeff, like there was nothing holding you back from recording a soliloquy, and and Dude, you could have had the freedom to go no. around any rabbit hole you wanted to. I, I've said from the beginning, I never wanted to do a monologuing podcast. It's not my thing. Like I'm, I'm barely able to hold a conversation with you, so it, it just. By myself. Is that an indictment on me or on you? <laughs> you decide. <laughs> I actually could not record my uh, my my lab. I only had my work laptop with me while I was traveling for nationals and some work travel right after, and it quit halfway through the trip. Like the hard drive just gave out on it, so I had no computer. Anyways, that was a good excuse to not answer work emails. <laughs> No, it was not a good excuse. I came in. <laughs> my inbox was awful this morning. Oof. I I went in like a half an hour early to try to get ahead. I am glad that I don't have to deal with that. Uh, there's not that many people interested in custom 1911s from Reed Pistol Smithing, I can at least say. Well, yeah, it's because the, the people who fought in World War II are getting a smaller and smaller population every day. <laughs> That's very true. Uh, that is that is a hundred percent true. Uh, we did hear from a Jeff. Was where was he from? Um, Finland? Is that is that? Am I getting that right? We heard from a guy uh, that was he was mad that we didn't record, and I'm trying to remember where he was from. Didn't he say the Netherlands? No, I think you're right. I think you're. I think you're right. Uh, so he was mad at us, but I also feel like it was a, like, uh, it was like a, Hey, cool. Somebody's listening to us from the Netherlands. So, so we're happy that you guys are listening and hopefully you guys, he said he enjoyed, he got entertained through it and he was, he was upset cause we didn't entertain him the last week. So was it, was it gladiator where I hopefully maybe at the end of this, we can say, are you not entertained? And maybe he'll. I don't know. Uh, yeah, that was. Am I getting? Yeah. The, am I getting a movie reference wrong again? That's the right Good movie job. reference, right? Good job. You're just not allowed to yeah. reference Rocky anymore. I like. I feel like I should get bonus points for that. <laughs> yeah, we we just don't talk about Rocky on the show anymore. Okay, I think that's probably fair. All right, so Nationals uh, just happened. For us, a week ago from when we're recording this, 
And unfortunately, Sasquatch was the only one of us that that attended the match and shot it. So we're going to kind of question him about the match uh, and his experience and the range and the facilities. Um, So I want to start with they – any match in the past that they've had at Talladega, they've had the banquet on premises and, and the building, the the clubhouse there is one of the coolest clubhouses in the country, but it does, it's not really well set up for a banquet uh, style thing. Um, So they moved it this year. If I'm, if I'm correct. Yeah. Yeah. So much room for improvement. They actually had awards at the Talladega Speedway. Super awesome. I think is what you call it. So it's kind of cool. Like you got to drive in, you know, to the racetrack and like drive under the the track through the tunnel and everything. It was it was a cool spot for it with plenty of room. Uh, from what I could tell, they almost had enough food the first match, and they did have enough. Food. <laughs> they sorry, <laughs> Jeremy just about spit out his bourbon. <laughs> uh, they, I think they ran a little light on food in the first match. Like everyone got food, but it was like there wasn't enough for like, oh, you know that that was pretty good. I'd like a little bit more to go up there and get a little bit more. Like mm-hmm. I think they were uh, almost out. The second match, uh, I, I'm pretty sure they threw food away. Like they did not make the same mistake twice. But the the location was cool for awards. Uh, I mean, it was somewhere you would probably never get to go otherwise. It was interesting it was cool there's plenty of room for everybody so that part was good was it that much of a drive from the range probably 15 minutes maybe oh, okay i mean was it, wasn't, it it wasn't bad and it was pretty quick after like the match was over like it was like it wasn't like yeah. sitting around waiting for like three hours we, yeah we basically we we finished up at the match headed straight there stopped at the gas station just passed it Get some drinks and then went to awards. Cool. Awesome. Uh, um, but I think more importantly, let's talk about the other things at the range. So they had enough porta potties this time. Uh, they did not have the same issues and they made sure they got emptied over the weekend so they weren't overflowing, also. So that was a, a good improvement. That's that's a huge improvement. Now, <laughs> uh, for, for some bad. So. At low cap nationals, I don't remember the sun being an issue over the bays really at all. The sun was an issue this late in the year out there. Oh, really? So, yeah. So for for one to two stages a day, the sun would be an issue. On uh, and I shot uh, I shot PMA and PM bay or section two. Three and then one, and the sun was an issue on all of those because it got you in the it got you in the mornings on one and two, and it got you in the afternoons or uh, afternoons on three. So it's something to consider for future at the match. I didn't really think about ahead of time. Like, like I said, it didn't. It wasn't something we ran into at low cap, but it wasn't unbearable. It just it wasn't great. There was like one stage where when I shot it, I'm just like on a certain zone of the stage. I'm like, I couldn't see anything. Like I had like four makeup shots on paper targets that were completely unneeded because I just couldn't see anything. That's rough. Um, <laughs> something to, something to prepare for if uh, hindsight's 2020, 20, but I would definitely shoot 
if I was going to do it again, I would shoot uh, AMs on the lower bays and PM on the upper bay. Yeah, but it's kind of tough to know that. It's kind of a little tough to know that when you're picking a squad four months out, five months yeah. out of whatever. Yeah, and then uh, other things that I don't like about the range are there's just – I don't feel like there's enough bays. I feel like we were very, very cramped. There was some, uh, some backups – uh, in the upper zone when the stages themselves were the upper zone was i would describe it like zone one was the easier stuff zone two was kind of medium and zone three was there to separate people so and that's the order like the super squad shot them in so the stages got progressively more difficult they were pretty normal in zone one and two and three had a couple of like real separator stages like some really difficult targets maybe to the point of being accessibly so but the stages were Pretty good up there. I believe Shannon designed the top zones. And there was one stage was was probably excessively difficult. Had a couple of uh, like half-size fast swingers at like 15 yards. And they were half-size uh, Ipsic targets with a hardcover border on the bottom. I mean, they were... They, so they were, were, they were half-size and half of the target? No, there was just like a piece of like duct tape at the bottom since they cut them in half to make the line. But it was like the full length of the duct tape. So you had probably 10 inches of target to shoot at maybe. That, yeah, they were, but they were, they were 15 yards and pretty difficult. There was, a, there was a lot of penalties on that stage. Yeah, I still, I still contend that the stage designers on, with swingers, like a moving target is, is hard enough um, that – that we don't really need to put par- make partial targets on swingers. That that's people may ag- disagree with me on that, but I feel like that's a fairly g- good general rule. I would agree. Those targets were hard enough that if they would have been ha- if they'd have been full Ipsic targets, I think they'd have been fine. Yeah, because they were difficult enough, anyways. Uh, cutting them in half was probably excessively so because they really wouldn't have dwell on them. Like they came out and went right back up. Yeah, so they were they were fast. Um, but otherwise the, the upper zone was definitely a good area to separate people. They kind of calmed down the strong hand weekend stage a little bit where it was reasonable to shoot. Okay. So did I see that? Did they dictate? Um, it looked like they were dictating. You had to shoot strong hand in a specific position on like a field course. Yes. Yes. They did that too. You had to shoot weekend on a specific field course in the, Production match. The last three targets had to be engaged weekend only. Or in, in the, the CO match. match. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I, I I didn't think you could do that. Um, I but. I guess you can. And that's, that stuff was all Shannon in the top. And, and Shannon's a good stage designer. So, we, I mean, we've all shot at Florida enough to know, like, Shannon's a good stage designer. Yeah. I just think that one area was probably a little difficult. And there was a backup that was caused by, like, putting a – Two run stage and a or a two string stage and a activator sequence stage in the same bay. So I feel like they should have that figured out a little bit by now. Well, the prop the problem is they don't have enough base. The range only has right. like what fifteen bays. So yeah. there's just not the facilities are not there to host a national championship. Yeah, like fifteen bays is is not enough. Like you're you start getting to where you're crowding it up to have like 18 stages. And yeah. I know there was, there was two or three people on my squad that, that are like 
they're CO shooters. Like that's their main division. And they commented they won't be back if it's at that range again. Well, they don't have to worry about that because uh, next well, year CO, it CO's is. CO's back there next year. Oh, that's right. They put <laughs> CO back there. Yeah, I think maybe maybe putting like PCC or something as a standalone there probably would have made more sense. But I get it. They're they're probably thinking that CO is the biggest division or growing the most. So making it standalone will attract the most attention. But I don't know if that's the purpose of nationals. I kind of see both sides. It's great if you have as much competition as possible in one division. But on the same side, like, I'm kind of tired of there being like eight nationals a year. Yeah, I I hear what you're saying. I did that. You know, they had one year where they had all the divisions all shot at the same time, and I was not a fan of that um, because we have so many divisions that it watered down the competition so much. Or, or you were basically handing out national titles to people who, if if they only won because because the competition was so watered down. Um, yeah. And so I think that, there's that's the challenge of having them all at one match. That, that's what I mean by like I see both sides of it. I think uh, like we kind of we've gotten to the point where we probably would be better off if we kind of stuck to the old traditional of like the you know I know the single stack only guys don't like an early nationals, but the ad, the advantage of when it was always at Passa early like that was is there was so much competition in single stack every single year and nationals. Because it was early enough that all the serious guys would shoot it. Yeah. No, for sure. And we've lost that since, and we lost that since we went away from Passa. And then by doing that, you you take care of that division and, uh, like, uh, revolver at the same time. And then if you then you can get later on in the year, they would normally break out like L ten in production or something. And that works well because you'll get plenty of heat in both of those. And then you have like your your three, you know, like your your big division limited and uh, open as their own matches. That that seemed to work pretty well. But even then, I think three nationals might be getting excessive. So, yeah, I mean, that's yeah, I I liked for me personally, like if we're going to talk about national setup, I like having a nationals a match in September. Um, with with a couple of divisions, and then another one in October, like a month later, with with a few divisions, and kind of, and then PCC should be its own set. Like that should be its own nationals every year, and I don't, I wouldn't count that as a like having another nationals. Like PCC is such its own thing yeah. that it should have its own nationals. And, and that's and that's a good way. That's a good way you can break it out. I mean. I think they need to if they're going to have so many nationals, they definitely need to be broken out in a manner that. Uh, you have as much talent in the division as possible. And I, I did not care for production being shoved so early this year. Like, I feel like it almost killed production because there was a lot of matches this year that just was like next to nobody shooting it. It didn't almost. It did kill production. Yeah. Uh, and I, and that's what my plan next year is to shoot production and see if uh, a late Nationals revives it. If it has soft attendance throughout the year, though, um, I, I won't. I won't shoot it after twenty twenty two. Okay. Well, so is CO is I actually have it in front of me. So CO Nationals is in September. Okay. So they they are literally there's. I mean, they're going to kill production again because the majority of the year your production people are probably going to shoot CO 
since that nationals is a month before production nationals, and then they'll switch after CO nets. Um, yeah, we'll, and we'll see which way people go. Uh, I, I personally, I'm not planning to shoot CO nationals. Uh, I'm not really, I don't really care a ton to go back to Talladega. It's not that the area's that bad or anything. It's just like, I want to see a bigger event for nationals. Yeah. And we're going to have that. I mean, for the, I mean, the, the nationals uh, I, for open I think production Cameo will, and yeah, limited. I think, Cameo, I think they'll knock it out. It's going to be a great, I think it's going to be a great match. It's going to be a four day match, which I like, uh, you know, it's going to, that's going to feel like a big event. I mean, and you're going to have to, you can't just get hot one day. Uh, it's really gonna, it's really gonna give a chance for the people to, the people who are shooting the best at that time to really win the match. I think, um, which is going to be good. So, and then, uh, so to finish it up, the discussion on carry optics nationals, like what's probably most interesting about that division is the amount of talent in it. That when I say unknown, I don't mean like nobody knows them, but like they're still very, they're, they're new enough that they're known kind of in their area or region. There's so many guys like that that the top 34 spots shot 85% or better. 85% went down to 34 places. Yeah. Which in a typical division, typical year, that would be like a top 16. Yep. And so the division and like, I, there was a lot of talented guys on my squad and yeah, you know, I, I shot, I shot the match very well. Like I, I personally performed as good, if not better than I am currently with a carry optics gun. Like knowing, and Knowing the level of people in the division, I was not remotely upset with 20th place. Yeah, no, I mean, that 20th was a but yeah, the uh, a great the, finish. Yeah, the, the the level of talent in that division is crazy. There's so many guys that, like, right now a lot of people don't know them, but there are certainly guys that no one knows currently that are going to be national champions in the next five years if they stick with it. So that, that part of it was pretty interesting. Uh, I think it was probably advantageous to me that like I shot carry optics in the past and I shot it for like a month this year. So I was pretty comfortable where I was at, but on my end, I, I was just able to shoot the match. It was kind of like, you know, you could shoot a really aggressive plan. If you threw a mic, it was like, yeah, it doesn't follow you the next stage. You just like, it's easy to not take it with you, which I think is, I, I feel like I probably performed better having not shot it all year than I would have if I'd have shot it for like, you know, six months or something. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, and you got to remember, for me, like the gun and everything's all the same. So there's no change on like how I grip the gun or any of that stuff. And I shoot target yeah. focus anyways. So for me, it's a, it's a it's small changes. It's really shooting the gun a little more aggressively, which I think is easier to do with a little bit of training. Instead of a lot of training, or instead of like a medium amount of training, a lot of training. I think if you trained all year, you're going to do better. But thought that was an yeah. interesting thing I noticed. And then, uh, of course, last thing on nationals is so many people came up and said that they listen to the podcast and like it. So appreciate hearing from everybody. I think even one person said they liked Jeff, so I'll forgive them. I'm pretty likable. That's that's surprising. That's very surprising. Yeah, well. All right. 
Now, uh, at Nationals, so to get on to the next topic, at Nationals, there was uh, two in-person board meetings after each Nationals. Okay, yeah, that was, and this was, this was kind of a first because it was in-person board meeting and the whole board was there, correct? For the first one, the whole board was there. The second one, a couple of people were already out of town. Okay. I mean, that's, I think that's somewhat fair. That's. It, it, it is. A lot of people still work and stuff like that much time is probably excessive. There was one, they made sure everyone was there for one board meeting though. Yeah. Which was good. And they live streamed it, which was also good. Um, yeah. The, for the attendance was probably less than ideal. I mean, it's a little disappointing that a lot of people like want to not show up. I mean, yeah, I get it. You just shot and stuff, but like, I think it is important to show up and like voice an opinion or show that you, you care. It's just kind of like, it's kind of like voting for our president in USPSA. I mean, most years we get what, like a third or not even that, like a sixth of the people vote. Yeah. And you know, and, and I, I hear that and I've, I have heard um, board members say, make, make very similar comments to that. And they, you know, they speak to that a lot. I, I also do wonder if the, if a little bit of that is some people are to a point it's like it doesn't matter if we there for voice our opinion the board's just going to do whatever they want to do anyway so why do I need to waste my time I'll th- I'll throw the other side of that out what I th- what I think a big chunk of it is is and this is what kind of annoys me is like a lot of the things that the board will do and say they're like well it's for the average member yeah well, it's like it's sh- I'm not sure stuff should be for the average member. It should be for the average person that that cares enough to be involved. Mm-hmm. Like, how is it for the guy that's traveling to two or three majors a year? Not not how is it for the guy that's shooting a local match two or three times a year? Like, how is it well, for your guy that's, that, that cares enough that he's going and helping set up his local match, that he's shooting, you know, six, seven, eight, eight matches a year? Some, you know, he's, he's actively involved in his area. Like, that's probably more the area that should be the minimum we're looking at. Like a lot of the rule changes we've seen out of the board have been, I feel like they're catering to the hypothetical member that might show up, not to the people that are currently there. And a lot of, well, and also the, the average member is not attending nationals. No. And and I don't, and I'm not saying that like everything should be about the guys that are showing up to nationals. I'm saying maybe we need to look somewhere instead of, I feel like a lot of stuff is coming back to the like hypothetical. We want this new guy who showed up once and is never coming back because he couldn't use his flashlight stuff to we need to be more thinking about the guys that are like, if there's a section match in their area, they're shooting it. But otherwise, you know, they might shoot their area match a couple times in their career, but otherwise, you know, they're shooting their local match at least once a month, maybe, maybe another local match once a month, once in a while. Like the guy that's shooting, you know, six to eight matches a year is probably, he's a little more tuned in and involved and cares. He's probably actually bought equipment for the game instead of putting too much focus on this hypothetical guy who might show up. Like, I feel like we're, our rules are getting away from who they should be focused on. But anyways, most of those people don't show up in like, don't vote and, and stuff. And then the guys that are real serious and are voting and are showing up, I feel like the board has completely like turned their back on them and they're like, Oh, this is, this is not good for the general membership or, or whatever. It's like at the end of yeah. the day, it is a competition making a set of rules that makes sense 
for the national level will filter down properly to the local level. Like the guy who's a casual competitor locally, he's going to show up and shoot whatever makes sense. And he, he'll buy the equipment necessary if he cares. Otherwise, he'll just shoot open or whatever. Right. I feel like I feel like you're just like making a bunch of blanket statements. Like you're not you're not mentioning any rules specifically. It's just like so. I don't really know what we're talking about. Okay, we we don't we don't we have, we've never found a proper solution for poppers. Uh, all the changes that the board has made to flashlights and appendix carry and, and messing with production all the time, taking the most popular division and just beating it to death. Uh, at first making carry optics where it was not viable to the most popular pistols, then making it where you could use the most popular pistols by milling the crap out of them to then just be like, yeah, anything basically goes now, 59 ounces. Those are examples of rules in the last two or three years that don't make sense in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, it's it is that was it was definitely them just throwing stuff against a wall and seeing what sticks. But the point being is, I didn't want to get too far onto the the rule side of stuff. Just more wanted to mention the the in person board meetings to lead into the point that uh, you know some of the recent stuff coming out of that is that the board is wanting to do massive changes to the bylaws. It sounds like. Um, from what I could gather the meeting, it seems like they're kind of wanting to, they realize they messed up with Foley that he had too much power or, or they weren't, they weren't utilizing their power to keep him in check. I think they were very much go along to get along is where the issue really is. So now they're, they're talking about creating a, changing the bylaws back to a part-time president or something, or like not a, not a full position like it is now. And adding like a CEO or or something, which I don't think makes a lot of sense. One, we have a, we have people on the board that are in their positions because like Foley was removed, so it's not it's not a voted thing. And there's like half the board was never ran again, so they're they're there because of the only person that ran. They're wanting to make these massive changes, and, it, and people that have been around for a while remember the last time we had an executive director. It it did not go well. Like the last no. executive director was fired, yeah, so swinging I, from swinging way too wide from one end to the other, I don't think is going to do a lot. I mean, what are your guys' thoughts? I mean, it again, it, it just from from what I'm seeing, like it, they're making massive changes to stuff because, and I don't know how much they. I I tuned in a part of the live stream and. It was kind of where they were taking some questions, and some of the questions were being asked. Were just I couldn't I couldn't listen to anymore, and and I had a kid to take care of, so I I didn't tune in anymore. But I don't know how how much input did they take? How much like did they say anything about hey, we're looking at making these huge changes to the infrastructure of our upper management of this organization, or was that at all discussed at the at the board they, meeting? They did not discuss any specifics on anything. Other okay. than other than yeah, these these we're looking at all these changes for the the long term future of the org, but like not in, in either meeting, nothing was discussed. Like didn't give us any specifics or any ideas of what they're really looking for. And I know like some questions that were asked was, you know, uh, one of the guys I know, Luke from up in Minnesota, like he got absolutely destroyed on stage because he had to shoot it in the dark. 
Like they just kind of ignored like his complaint. Like, and talk about your kind of like your your prime member you're looking for. You know, he's a guy that a year or two ago he was in C class and now he's a very competitive A class shooter. You know, really coming up, really involved in the sport, really cares about it. And like he did not have a good experience in his nationals by something that was controllable by building the match properly or having enough facilities. Completely would not or ignore that stuff. Whenever they got asked about like how they plan on paying for this stuff, but they completely skip around the question. They don't want to. They don't want to be very transparent. They don't want to be open or talk about anything. But they want the illusion that they're doing so. Yeah. So like that. To me, to me, that's the problem with they're wanting to make these wholesale changes to the the upper tier structure management of the of the organization, and they're doing that with zero input from from the organization. Yeah. Um, and- and and that's I mean I I get it like it's it's dangerous and it's difficult to to get to try and get and filter information from thirty five thousand members, but but there are ways to do that. I mean there are ways to for area directors to reach out to people uh, to reach out to the section coordinators release and then let the section coordinators filter questions to their to their section uh, and and say hey do y'all want to see this do you not want to see this. Um, where it's really, it's, it's the board feels like we're daddy, you're our kids, do what we say. And, and you just take what you get. Um, and, and, and I, like, I just, that, that's a little crummy, uh, in my, in my opinion. That That's an accurate description of the feeling I left the meetings feeling, which, which I hate because like individually, you know, from the, the interactions I've had with the board, I haven't met them all, like, or talked to them all in person, but like probably half the area directors and the president, like I've talked to several times in matches, you know, I've ran into when they're ROing matches, like they're great people. I like them. I just don't like the direction that we're going. And I, and I think they're, I think it's, like I said, swinging way too far from one into the other. And um, a lot of people that will be hearing this uh, when it comes out in a couple of days in the last few days, that memo that was allegedly from an area director, which I have seen nothing that would tell me it's not, was definitely troublesome as well. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen it. The The big things that stood out in it were somebody saying, like, saying that, the, that they have members, not uh, either you shareholders or stakeholders. I don't remember what word they used. Shareholders. They shareholders. And, well, functionally, yeah, we don't own stock in USPSA, the members are the stakeholders, which they, the board should be answering to the members. They shouldn't view us as a, a customer of their product. Right, because it's not their product. The, the board does not own it. Um, exactly. They are, they are elected. Uh, and yeah. then the other side of it is, is that there was wording about like trying to get this stuff pushed through before uh, – Matt's in the tent or something is what the words they use. (laughs) And someone used the word groovy, which was also weird. Like, who uses the word groovy? But anyways, like, that was kind of worrisome that they were concerned about, like, a new person coming in and having a different view as well. Yeah, it – yeah, I mean, that – like, that – that memo seemed really shady. It was, it was, hey, we've got to hurry up. We got to push this stuff through so we can get it done before anybody else can get wind of it or anybody else can be a whistleblower on it or make changes. We got, and like, man, if that's, if that's how, if, if that is how they're operating, that's, that's really seems, seems pretty shady to me. Um, 
And I hope that that's not the case. But if it is, then hopefully, I mean, hopefully Matt can be can be transparent about that stuff when they won't do everything under executive session. To me, I, I think I think a general consensus of people would say that like, man, we we mostly just want some consistency and stability from the board at this point. Like let's let's not have these wholesale changes to the rules every three months that change the equipment we need to use. Like let's have some consistency in what do nationals actually look like from year to year. Can we get some amount of consistency to where it's not just a scrambling effect of what do I need to do every year? Um, well, be be transparent. Like don't like I, I wish I, I don't think they understood like. Uh, Kaylee Mason's wife was making a big point about like, you know, is there any reason that they can't give more information on regular board meetings? Like, can you live stream it or, or can you put out real minutes? And like, they kept skipping around her question, like ignoring the point. And, and I don't disagree that like, they might not be doing anything wrong. They, I, they, as a general rule, I would say most of them are probably trying to do what they feel is best for USPSA in the long term. And we might disagree on that, which is fine. We can disagree and not fight, but I do want to know what we're doing. Yeah. I don't want to wait until it's a rule change to be surprised by it. Yeah. Well, and I mean, that's, that's been a bit of the issue with the rules changes. Like they make the rule change. And then at that point, there's, we have absolutely zero recourse. Like, like yeah. the membership can do nothing about it at that point. It's just crap. You just changed our sport and now we're stuck with it. Uh, and that's, that's very frustrating. I mean, that's, that's, and that makes, and that has made people leave the sport. If you put it out there where, we're, uh, Hey, we're thinking about doing this and you leave it out for people to comment on it to their area directors. Yeah. You're going to have the most active members are the ones that are commenting on it, but the most act, the people that care enough to comment on it are the ones that are going to be most affected by it. If someone yeah. doesn't care enough to comment on it, they probably don't care. They're just going to be like, Oh, okay. My, my uh, production max can have 15 rounds now. Great. I'll, I'll do that at the next match. Or, you know, oh, I can move my, I can use my carry holster at the next match and not shoot open. That's great. But th- uh, they don't care. Like if they're yeah. not, if they're not active enough to see the rule change and comment on it, then they probably don't care. Yeah. Yeah. And I, <laughs> uh, I would say also that like, the numbers that that they're showing, they're they're saying, "Hey, we have this many members. We only get this many people voting." Um, I would venture a guess that most of the people who are active in the sport, not just one match, one local a year, but are actively participating, um, multiple locals, travel to a couple majors. I would guess that most of the people who are actively participating in the sport, who to me are your actual constituents. Uh, the people you're making rules for are probably voting. Yeah. But those like and, those voting numbers, that's probably a pretty good number on your actual active members. And I could be that I have no statistics to back up what I just said, but I'm guess that that would be my guess that that's probably pretty close. And and you're probably right. And that group is going to run the gamut from the guys who, you know, RO the you know the the retired guys who are RO and fours at all these major matches and stuff like that that are shooting and ROing. And it's going to run your gamut to your your local retired guy who shoots, you know, locals twice a month and any major within two hours of his house. To 
you know, the guys that are shooting, you know, 10 majors a year and they're shooting three or four locals a month and they're, you know, they're, they're pounding it out all the time. Like it's going to be a huge group. It's going to really give a good cross section of USPSA, but it's also the more important part is it's the people who, the people who are voting care enough about what's happening. Like the, the guys who don't care enough to vote or care enough to write their area director when they don't, if the new rule changes post and they don't like it, those people are just going to play by whatever rules or make sense for the rest of the people. And I think we should probably more of that stuff should be focused on the people who care about it enough, you know, the, put it out there for a month of comment period and see what reaction you get. I think you're going to get a good cross section of USPSA to, for it to be relevant. Yeah. Yeah, and then at that point, at least the members feel like they've had a chance to be heard too. Like there, well, there's and, a lot of good faith that could come from that. And for, and for God's sakes, like there's when you go through all the minutes for the last few years, it seems like they're always trying to make sure there's oh everyone always votes the same. Yeah. Which I find annoying. You have nine people voting. All nine people should not agree on every topic. Like I want to see some no votes. Yeah, I want to. I want to see some people say no. Like it, it just feels rubber stamped if no one ever disagrees. And yeah, again, that's I, where better, better uh, transparency in the transparency in the minutes and stuff would tell us a lot. Like what's being discussed. Like who, you know, why does this person disagree with it? Why do these people agree with it? I think yeah. if they were a little more forthcoming with information, we'd all would be in a better spot. I I I wholeheartedly agree. Okay. Uh results, Nationals results. Um to me this was I oh, who, I was at home following down? along. Jeff has wrote, them. Jeff. Um so but before we like well let's let's talk about what happened before Jeff tells us how wrong we were and who we who we chose. I will I will touch briefly on PCC because this was the first year that it was actually somewhat interesting because if people were if people were watching Max Agranis has won PCC Nationals every year um, and and quite frankly he has it hasn't been all that close I mean I think there have been a couple years early on that, that maybe there were maybe somebody got a little bit close but recently things have not been close well going into day three Max Agranis was in third place. Um, and he, and he actually was down by quite a bit. Like it did not look like he was going to win. And (laughs) at some point during day three, Josh Fralick DQ'd. And I don't know. All I know is that his, it just says DQ here by his name. Um, and so I don't, I don't know what happened, but Josh Fralick was beating Max by a decent margin going into the last day. And so that was interesting that, that that happened. Holy cow, there are a lot of DQs for PCC. Ten, ten people DQ'd for PCC? That's seems like a lot. Um, maybe that's the nature of PCCs. I don't know. Um, so, Max did win, but it was very close, and it appeared that uh, he probably benefited from a, a DQ of some sort. Again, I have no idea what that DQ was. Uh, then, carry optics. As Jared mentioned earlier, this is was an incredibly deep 
finish and closer than most matches are. Uh, you know, you go you go down to sixth place and you're still at ninety over ninety six and a half percent, and tenth place is almost ninety three percent. And so that's the uh, top sixteen. You would have still had to have been over ninety one percent, which is normally. Normally you're like in like seventh place at that point for that. So that's it was a very deep match. Um, I kind of wonder if there was if if maybe a little bit of the uh, the pressure uh, maybe pulled some of the upper guys a lot of the upper guys down and maybe they didn't perform quite at their peak. I don't. I'm 100 speculating on that. I don't know, and so maybe that condensed some of the scores, or maybe just everybody else is just really good in that division. Um, well, I'll, I'll touch on that. So there was on my squad, there was two guys that were in the top, like 15, I think that were on my squad and another guy who was in like the top, like 30, maybe two more of the top 30 on my squad. And like when we shot, we started in zone two, super squad started in zone one, like hit factors didn't really change as the match went on. Like there, I can only think of one stage where my score, where someone kind of blew it up after I shot it. And it was one person blew that stage up. Not like, not like the super squad got here and the hundred percent guy became 90. It was like, if you had a stage win or something, maybe your hundred became a 99 at the end of the match or 98 or something, you know, yeah. it's pretty, it's pretty close. So I, I want to assume that the super squad all performed very well. Now, granted, you know, everybody that didn't win the match is probably gonna be like, I didn't shoot as well as I should have. Yeah. But we're all going to feel that way. So it's, it's hard to argue that one, but I think the, I think the talent is just deep in that division and, and you, you don't realize it because so many of those guys are, you know, two or three years into sports, you just don't really know them yet. You haven't seen yeah. their name all over. Yeah. Um, so one thing that the that we talked about in the previous episode was that there was this weird super squad thing going on with CO Nationals in that basically all the people who are should have been on the super squad were not were on like a different squad, uh, and they weren't on the actual super squad. But Jared, it sounds like they, you were there that they actually moved all the people who were legitimate, that they felt like they would be kind of known legitimate contenders. They moved yeah. on to the super squad. So, yeah, they had several guys that would have earned their spot based on their finish last year on there. And then they made some right choices to put like, like uh, Nils and JJ and Phil and, and guys who didn't shoot at the year, you know, last year that should be on the super squad were on the super squad, which I think makes it a much more interesting match. And, and it will be beneficial for stuff like the filming and the live stream and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a, that's a, that's a positive thing. So I'm, I was, I'm glad to hear that they did that um, for competitive equity. And yeah, like we do have shooting USA at, at our nationals, um, and the best product that we can, they, they mostly are going to film super squads because that's how they, that's how they can get the best film of the best shooters. And, and USPSA, I think there's a little bit of responsibility for us to put our best foot forward on national. Well, it's not, I don't like to call it nationally televised, but a, a big, 
cable show. Um, and just to, sorry, I I would also say like based on the results of this year's Carry Optics Nationals and it being a standalone next year, there probably ought to be a Super Squad A and a Super Squad B. Yeah, like one uh, shooting right after the other. Yeah, um, but like I, I think it's 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 beneficial for USPSA to get our best shooters. For competitive equity, but also for the the shooting USA, so that they can get the best film, and USPSA can put its best foot forward on on a big show like that, because that's I think that is good for us. So that being said, uh, JJ did sneak out the win, um, and it was I mean it, it, it that's to me that's a big headline that JJ won, but the bigger headline is that Max Michelle came in fourth place. Uh, he was at, at 97.44%. Um, so, I mean, the guy, that he, he's won this this match every year, and this year he, he got smacked pretty good. I mean, I say pretty good. It's still 2.5% is really pretty darn close. Four, 47, 47 points, though. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I know the when you look at it in the 1,000-foot the view, it seems like a lot, but it's really not. No, forty-seven points is is a pretty small, pretty yeah. small margin there. Um, so that that was interesting. I, I'm going to guess that none of us had, uh, and I I'm just on the website, so I don't. D Zang, what is his first name? Jared, I assume you're on the competitor. Dazi Zang, I think. Dazi Zang, you pronounce it? Yeah, uh, I I'm not familiar with him, but some of the guys that I was talking to at nationals. Uh, Knew him, and I guess he's from somewhere in Texas. I okay. think uh, Jeff said he knows him too. Obviously, uh, a very good shooter that just like, one of those guys I would say is not known yet, like because he hasn't traveled all over the country yet. Obviously, very good though. I, I don't know him. I know of him. I've never uh, met him. Yeah, well, I okay. mean, when he I say had when one I say heck of a match. When I say when I say no, I mean like you you know who he is, is in that you've seen his results at matches before, and you knew he was good. Just to clarify, <laughs> okay. And I don't think that's how most people interpret no, but okay. <laughs> when we're talking about results, okay, <laughs> nobody knows Jeff. Sasquatch is a little off tonight. It's okay. the The other thing that's interesting, looking at results, is like the time differences are pretty drastic in. In CO, um, like JJ was first and his total time was 245. Second place, his total time was 262. It was almost 20 seconds slower. And then you have Max Michelle in, in fourth at, at 241. Um, and fifth place, which was only 0.23, uh, no point, I'm sorry, only 0.33% behind, only six points behind. And he was 21 seconds, well, 20 seconds slower than him. Um, so, carry optics is interesting that, like, you can, like, it really does kind of allow you to be successful, kind of picking a, hey, I'm going to be really fast and I'm not going to make, I'm not going to make the big mistakes, but I'm going to be really fast and maybe throw a few more points down, or I'm going to shoot a lot more conservative and make a lot fewer mistakes. Uh, like it, I guess that's kind of a little bit alluding to the minor scoring, but I, I thought that I think that's kind of fascinating, uh, how big those the time changes are. It, it shows a, a really interesting part of minor is that, like, on the field courses, 
the really fast guys are moving around really hard and stuff and dropping. They can drop more points and come out ahead, but a guy can be a little bit slower and be a lot more accurate and, and also come out ahead. So I think it separates there. Like if you, if you scroll through the overall, if you scroll all the way through the results, you'll see on sometimes like, you know, times will be very similar. And then you get to a field course where all of a sudden, you know, like JJ's three seconds faster on a 22 second stage or something. Yeah. Yeah, so that that is interesting. So top five: JJ, uh, Zhang, John Vliger was third, Max Michel fourth, Mason Lane fifth, um, and then Nils was was sixth. So Jeff, how wrong was Jared? Um, I actually can't find the results. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> <What we> predicted. <laughs> Oh my all I know, gosh! All I know is that I said Max Michelle was going to lose, and he did. I really don't remember. I I I want to say I think I might have picked Max to win. I think you did. Um, I will say that to me, the biggest disappointment of the results in this is Jacob Hetherington was not there. Uh, yeah, yeah, and I—that's who we picked. I both of I'm pretty sure. Uh, Jeff and I both picked Jacob to win. Um, and yeah, I guess we should have done our homework there, huh? I mean, Sasquatch was telling us, hey, he's not signed up. He's not signed up. It's like, there's no <laughs> way he's not going to show up. Like, yeah. I can't. I don't. I'm still just like, I, I don't why. Like, I don't know why he would. He's not there, but he wasn't there uh, for, for whatever reason, um, which is. That's disappointing. I would have liked to have seen what he would have done in the mix because um, I think he could have definitely could have been there. Um, I I can't remember what our top five was. So uh, listeners crucified Jeff for this. Like he is the one who wrote everything yeah, down I'm and he sorry. dropped the ball and we were going to have good content tonight laughing at each other. The, yeah. And he the just screwed is, it up. The thing is I didn't write it down. I was going to go back and listen to it and write it down afterwards, and then I didn't. So, oh, okay. So, just listeners call in and just tell Jeff how lazy he is. Yeah, call in. Call the hotline. Yep, call the hotline uh, and do that. Um, I'm pretty sure none of us had Zhang at second. Um, no. I don't no. think any of us had Vliger, uh, Vliger or Vliger. We really need to, like, Please something Vliger. needs to... Vlieger? Okay, somebody really needs to talk to him and, and clarify that. Uh, I don't think any of us had him in our top five either. Uh-uh. Nope. I think I had, like, Jacob, Nils, and Max or something like that. Yeah, we went, sure we I- went five. We went five deep on CO predictions. Oh. I, I'm, I'm sure I had Jacob... Or not Jacob. I'm sure I had JJ and Max in my top five, but I don't remember otherwise. I'm pretty sure I put JJ at fifth in mine. I'm pretty sure it was like uh, Jacob, Nils, Max, Mason, JJ. Is I'm I think that's probably where where I went. Again, yeah. and we'll, we'll find mean, out how opinion, much wrong we're uh, on our recollection too. Yeah, I think it makes it more interesting when we're totally wrong it just it just kind of shows you like if somebody has a good day they can take it you know well it's it's it's, it's not it's, such a lopsided sport 
It's also amazing how like close the top guys really are. Uh, I think it was one of Ben's books where he commented like, if you put yourself in a position to win nationals enough times, eventually work it's going to work out in your favor. Yeah, and, and I don't I don't think he's wrong in that. I mean, JJ was must have been second at how many nationals before he a won lot. one? A lot. He still gets second a lot. Well, it's there's a lot of talent. Yeah, divisions like carry optics show the other side of it is there's there's a lot of new talent coming in all the time, and those guys seem to be ramping up to that level way faster. I don't hate JJ, by the way. I feel like I give that vibe off. <laughs> and, um, he just uh, he's kind of fun to pick on because sometimes he makes a lot of excuses, so I poke fun at him, but. I actually find him super entertaining to follow on social media. And obviously he's a great shooter instructor. I don't dislike JJ. I just like to poke at him. Yeah. So there was a bit of a DQ issue for JJ at IDPA nationals and he kind of got it reversed, which like apparently you can in IDPA, you can uh, arbitrate a DQ and the way the arbitration went was pretty shady because uh, I have, I have well for me it's secondhand. But the person that my knowledge is from was literally there on the on the stage when it happened, fairly involved with it. Uh, that was a bit shady. Um, so that that was you know that there's a there's a hist there's a there's a uh, pattern of behavior um, with JJ on some issues like that that are uh disconcerting maybe um but right i mean those are just the ones you hear about i mean there could be other sketchy stuff <laughs> with other shooters too so i right yeah yeah for sure um so open nationals um i've got it up I'm, here uh i mean it was it was it was a fun one to track scores on. Uh, day one, JJ was JJ was winning, but it was it was like a point or less than a point. Him and him and Christian were virtually tied, and KC was KC Usubio were right there. I'm not sure uh, KC wasn't. I think KC was winning on day after day two. Yeah, I did. I was I was speaking about day one. On. Oh, no. On JJ's Instagram, it was he had something like, um, "I I ended the day with a small lead," <laughs> and on on Christian's Instagram, it was something like, uh, "I ended the day down by one point, a singular point." <laughs> uh, just entertaining to watch yeah, those it, two go it back was, and forth, man. It it. It is. Uh, there's, you know, I don't know. I don't know if there is a level of animosity there or not between the two. I, I really don't know. But um, irregardless of if it's just in fun or if there is animosity, uh, it's it is entertaining to see a little bit of a back and forth there. So, so day one was very close, and I, as Sasquatch said, their day one is probably the easiest day. So you'd kind of expect there not to be a lot of separators. Day two. Um, I know that Christian, I know Christian was slightly ahead of JJ, 
But day two, like the last four stages of the day, KC Eusubio shot like an absolute maniac. Like he went like 98% and then won like the last three stages of the day. And I think KC, I think Jared is right. I think he had like a 10-point lead or something like that going into day three, which was I was sitting there like, is this really good? Like, is KC really going to be able to win this? And and we get to day three, and the answer was quickly no, because uh, KC's like first three stages were like seventy eight percent or something like that. It was pretty low. Um, I could probably just pull that up and. and well, and, was and, he shooting his his Zev gun or was he shooting a Taurus? Not I, a Taurus. No not a Taurus. Uh, it was a Zev or a Limcat or something like that. Probably whichever one. Last well, one he's, he was at. He has, the, he has that Zev Limcat uh, combo gun. Yeah, it's. I'm pretty sure that's what he was shooting. Uh, I mean, I wasn't there, but he's not shooting a Taurus. Um, so, yeah, so it's day two. KC's not, stages nine through 12, which is would have been his last stage of the day. He was – stage nine was 99.95% and then 100, 100, 100. Um, so he I... just kind of went nuts. But then – Day three, Casey started 89%, 79%, 74%, 78%. Uh, and so he very Jeez. quickly, very quickly fell out of contention on day three. Um, and the and, shooting was a lot more technical up on zone three. Yeah. So Christian's performance is, I mean, Christian is like, to me right now, Christian is the best shooter in the sport on the American side. I'm trying to think of somebody else who's, who's there. Like his level of consist, like winning every single stage at an area match earlier this year, uh, that, that level of consistency is crazy. You look at his stage finishes at nationals and he does not have normally, normally in the past to win nationals. If you finish every stage at, at 90%, then you, there's a good chance you're going to f- win or be very, very close. Christian had, he only had two stages below 90% for the entire match. And one of those was his like second to, I think his second to last stage or last stage when he had like a 30 point lead and he was basically shooting to not have a big screw up. So, like the level of consistency that that Christian is is able to perform is is kind of nuts, um, and that's that's really where 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 JJ is is struggling to keep up with Christian at this point. Is is JJ just doesn't have that level of consistency? Yeah. Well, and like I, I went through and figured up like he basically collected ninety four percent of like the stage finish points available. So like he, his average stage finish was like 94.4%, which is. That's incredibly pretty, high. Pretty damn good. Yeah. That, that is incredibly high. Um, as far as our predictions, I'm pretty sure that Sasquatch predicted Lesgar Murdoch to win or. No, I said Christian just to, for the winner. Okay. Just to maybe finish top three. I think you had Lesgar. I might have taken him for top five. I don't remember a top three. I, I'm sure I had Christian and JJ in the top three, though. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure 
I don't know who I put. I don't think I put Casey Asubio at third. I think I picked somebody else, but I don't know. I think I actually picked John Vlieger, Vlieger to be third, um, and he was sixth place. So when we were talking about earlier, we were talking about the percentages of finish for carry optics. If you go to 10th place in open, that was at 84.68%. 89.64. In open, oh, I'm yeah. sorry, I was I was looking at possible. Oh, I'm sorry, my phone was look at it possible percentage, um, but that was 89 percent for tenth place. And what Sasquatch? Look over real quickly at CEO. Where would that 89 percent have put them in CEO? I shot, I shot 89 something, and I was 20th. But like, okay. probably 89 probably would have been two or three spots ahead of me, and two or three spots behind me as well. Yeah. So, so I mean, like. Just, Early twenties, yeah. It the the depth of competition in the in the CO was is just quite a bit deeper than the other ones. Um, limited was li- pretty deep too. Limited was was deep. Um, again, we we've talked about this a little bit. Limited does not have the it does not have the dedicated limited shooters that it, of old. That yeah. are that are dominant in that division. Um, there's it's been four years since a dedicated limited shooter has has won limited. Um, JJ won it, and then Mason has won the last two years. And so, and back in the day, like you didn't like the guys winning limited were dedicated limited shooters. It's pre- it'd be pretty rare that some dude who normally shoots production or something would shoot the you know, separate limited match and win it. Right. But a lot of those, like when, when I got involved in the sport, you know, it's when like Savigny and Vogel were still super involved and Nils was still shooting limited full time. Like all those guys are not dedicated limited shooters anymore. Right. Yeah, so for sure. It's certainly a very different division. It is. Um, and I'm, and we're definitely not saying that to take anything away from the winner. The winner was Mason Lane. He won again. Um, Shot very with well with the Sig, um, which is crazy. Um, and then the, I mean, the big news out of Limited is that Nils finished second, shooting his production gun with mags loaded up, and and he finished at ninety nine point four three percent, ten points behind, ten points out of winning the match. Um, which is is crazy. Uh, I I'm still like I still shake my head. And next time I ask Nils, I'm, I may ask him. I know that Canic is a sponsor, and they don't have a they don't have a 40 cal. They have a 40 cal gun, but the the mag capacity in it is such that it's it's you can't be competitive. It's like what 13, 14 rounds, I think. If it's like the seven, if it's like the same standard nine millimeter base mags like the CZ seventy five, you'd you probably only get fifteen out of it. Fifteen. So, so you couldn't really even shoot like two positions without doing a load. So you end up doing a lot of loads at, at that point. Um, but at the same time, it's like Nils put a proper limited gun on your hip and win nationals, and and you you've won nationals. Like, no. like I'd argue the other side though. He's showing how capable his sponsor's gun is. Even though it's not really ideal for the division, I mean, I I get that, but nobody cares about second place in this sport. Like, 
like they don't remember second place. It's who wins. Like no, like nobody remembers who was second place at the world shoot in production in 2017. Ben won, and that and that's what people care Pavel about. Pavel was second, even though he was, and Pavel was like half a Less point than one away. Point yeah, he was like a half a point away from winning. But quite frankly, Ben was the world champion, and that's really all that anybody cares about. Um, I, so, honestly, I, I would not know who was second outside of the fact that it was so close. Yeah. It's the only reason I know. Yeah. Um, so I, I get all that. He's got sponsor requirements and, and, and that sort of stuff. And I, I don't, maybe they told him you ha- you can't do this. And maybe it was just him. I, I honestly, from what I've, when I've heard him talk about his sponsorship, I would guess that Nils was more, it was more on Nils. It's like, no, I'll just compete with your guns. I'm not going to, it sounds like his sponsor is pretty, Canic is pretty cool and lenient. And I, I don't, really have that much insight into that i just that's just been the the sense that i've gotten of it but would have liked to have seen him have a real limited gun and then he would have just blown the match completely out of the water and nobody would have been close um shane coley was third and john browning was fourth and blake mcgez was fifth i gotta give a shout out to paul kerr coming in sixth and that boy was darn he near was leading the, he was leading the match going into day three yes that boy darn near won a freaking limited nationals uh and, he, and he is he has been shooting very well though he did win an area match this year too with i or was this he won some match i don't maybe it was georgia state or something but there was like two or three other like top like six limited shooters in his division and he, and he had a pretty strong win so he's been shooting Extremely well. He finally put that dumb single stack gun away and stepped into the modern century and got him a double stack and dominating. I mean, the, like, I have yet to meet anybody in the sport. Uh, I mean, maybe outside of like a Christian or a Eric Grafell that can rage like Paul Kerr can. <laughs> like, I think he is <laughs> the most entertaining person to watch shoot in the sport. Yes, and and the like. The crazy thing is, he can't move. Like no, he, and he can barely get from position to position. And the other thing is, I can't. Remember, I think it's on his weak hand shoulder. He doesn't have a shoulder muscle like a deltoid. He doesn't have a deltoid. Yeah, yeah. He's got what? some weird something. He's got some weird something going on. Um, yeah, I think he had surgery or something. And so, like when he shoots weak hand, he has to like lock his elbow and hold his arm up like with his his lat like he can't lift his his arm he's crazy dude he's so fun to watch have, have, have we, ever, we had paul on the podcast didn't we yeah a long time ago we should have him on again sometime yeah we may we may need to uh but he he rages and here in the last couple years he has been able to rage and still hang it on the target uh and Man, there's if you can do that, uh, if you can figure that out, then you can, especially in a division like limited, you can really make some waves. And yeah, that boy was was darn near going to win the match. I don't know what happened to him on day three. Um, well, but and again, day day three was definitely the more technical shooting, so it was there's a lot more room to separate out. Yeah, yeah, and it it looks like probably day three was his probably worst day. Um, 
from that standpoint. So, for, and that I mean, for somebody who who likes to rage, uh, you get really technical shooting, and that that could definitely kind of push you down he, a little bit. He shoots those uh, the bull pistols. Yep. Uh, yeah, he shoots the single stack, and uh, I think his his limited gun is a sight block gun. I think I could be wrong on that, but it's a bull I as th- well. I think you're right. Yeah, I'm pretty and, sure and he, you're right. And he he uses he uses our boy Lace GX products holsters too. Yeah, because the the GX holster is if you're not using the GX holster with the lever lock thing, does he have a name for it? I can't remember. I should know that. But vice the vice, vice grip, yeah, the vice holster. That's right. Sorry, Leif, don't uh, still send me. I want I want more hats. Um, but he, uh, gave, he gave me a beanie. Did you not have a beanie? Yeah, no. Oh, I don't have a beanie. Oh. I'll, I'll I'll see him at Bighorn, and I will make sure he brings me some more swag. Uh, but I'll see him at I'll see him at the Caribbean Open. And I'll tell him not to bring you anything. He's not going to listen to you. Me and Leif are boys. Uh, <laughs> Phil Strader was it was was he winning CO or limited? I after think day he, one? if he he was either. Winning or within a couple points at CO. I don't remember now. I think okay, he might have been CO. leading CO after the first day. No, he was he was winning CO after the first day. And and Phil is Phil is, I don't know how many of our listeners know Phil Mickelson, the golfer, um, who is known as Phil the Thrill, because uh, he does crazy stuff. Like I feel like Phil's our Phil, Phil Strader, is he's also Phil the Thrill, because like he he will do stuff like that. He will be winning. He'll be winning day one of nationals, and then as his his posts on Instagram for after day two was that well, just had my worst day at nationals ever, uh, and tomorrow we'll just see if we can not embarrass ourselves or something like that. But he's always like, if stuff goes bad for Phil on a stage, like take your headphones off and start listening because he's going to start talking to himself and saying stuff to himself. <laughs> and it, and it is, it is absolute gold. Uh, it's quite entertaining. Um, comedy gold, as they say. Yes. Yes. Comedy gold. Um, <laughs> Phil is also, he's one of those shooters that I think he's only won one national title, correct. but he's, he's super competitive in every division he shoots. Yeah, like, Phil. I mean, Phil is the, the, the most. Dude can shoot. Well, he's probably the most talented shooter. I know Jared's not going to believe this, um, but Phil is the most probably talented shooter in the sport. Um, and Rob Latham would would probably agree to that statement because uh, Phil doesn't practice, he doesn't train, and then he shows up at nationals and he's winning it after day one, and he still finished top ten every year. Basically, any gun he picks up, he'll still finish top ten. Um, and he's, he doesn't take it super. I mean, when he's at the match, he's taking the match seriously, but he doesn't really take the sport all that seriously outside of it anymore. He used to, but. Right. But like every time you talk to him, it's like, it's an absolute shit show, right? Oh yeah. He like, I've never talked to him and him be like, yep, shooting really good. Uh, (laughs) no, he's, he is, he would not be a very good Lanny Bassam student uh <laughs> right yeah to say yeah. the least so yeah i wish we knew what our predictions were i'm pretty sure i did not predict mason to win it again this year i Actually, think i picked I, mason. I pick, I, 
Je- Jeff and I picked uh, John Browning to win. I thought I picked John Browning to win. Yeah, that was you well. and Jared. Oh, you, Jared. me and Jared picked John Browning. And I'm to sure win. I picked. I'm sure I picked Mason for top three, but I don't remember. I maybe I had Shane also in there. I don't remember. Or no, I had Blake McGuess. I had Blake McGuess in top three also. I said Nils was going to show up shooting major and win. But he, if he shot major, you'd have been right. Yeah. Well. Yeah, it would have been cool to have uh, if Jeff. If it would have been kind of cool if we could have known known what remembered what we uh, what we did did predict. Man, That's, wouldn't that be cool? That'd be that'd be kind of cool. Might have, might have made a cool podcast. If only there was like this like thing that you could type stuff into. And it would yeah. remember it for you. I know, right? It's too bad. I'm the only one with a keyboard. It's too bad. Uh, more of it was that you said that you would do it and that you're just not a man of your word. Uh, that's pretty much what it boiled down to. Yeah, that is it. I mean, I feel like I feel like that's kind of a trend on here. It's like I always say I'm going to do something, you know, like make a training plan or write down the results that we that we predict. And I just don't do it. So it's kind of my thing. All or accurate. It's kind of my thing. I'm just like full of shit. Yep. I, I would agree <laughs> with that. Sounds <laughs> sounds accurate. All right. So that wraps up our nationals discussion uh, and really wraps up our season. Uh, Jared, I assume you don't have any more matches for this year. Majors. Uh, I, this year. I, no, no. Okay. I, I, other than I'm shoot, I'm planning to shoot the Caribbean Open in February, but even that one, I'm not gonna be like, I mean, I'm gonna train for it, but I'm, it's not. I'm not really treating it like part of the season. It's just kind of. It's gonna be cold here and it's gonna be warm there, so it seems like a fun weekend. Yeah, yeah. That's also in 2022, so that would be not yeah. this year. There is still an Oklahoma sectional going down in November. Or this month, jeez, yeah. why did they put it in November in Oklahoma? Well, it's because it's we smart. don't have a section director right now. So Chad, yeah, that one. So Chad, our area director, he did area four, and now he's putting on the sectional at USSA. So they kind of threw it together last minute. I'm I'm guessing since they didn't even announce the match until. A week or two, I think two weeks after Area Four. Uh, yeah, and I would expect it to be a very good match and well ran. And if it would work out, I would probably go shoot it. But this month is way too busy for me for work. Yeah. Anyway, I expect it to be a great match, but I'm not going to shoot it. So. Yeah. No. So so this wraps up our season. Um, we will have. Some discussions on future kind of our plans for off season and and what we're gonna plans for that if we're just gonna lay low or or try to work on anything and hopefully we may have maybe we'll have some interviews or something like that um, coming up so and we kind of discussed a little bit the other uh, amongst us that I think during the off season we're going to shoot for an every other week for a podcast. Because it obviously can get a little stale when we're not doing a lot of shooting. So probably after this one, expect every other week. Yeah, most likely. I, I would say, you know, maybe we occasionally 
don't stick to that, but for the most part, probably. Um, but yeah, I think there's going to be, I think it'll be a fun off season. I got some, some stuff I'm working on that I'm excited about. And, uh, and nationals is when it should be for the division I'm shooting. So I'm excited about that for next year. Jeremy, Jeremy is already hey, ramping up. All right. He's we're done. Ramping up. We're done. Hey, stop. We're not, we're not talking about that anymore. We're done. Uh, no, you're yeah. done. Shut up, Jeff. And Jared DQ. Stop recording. <laughs> <laughs> oh, stop recording, damn it. <laughs>